sport was with this past week? Was it some sort of national bad news week? I don't know about you, but by Friday afternoon, I was ready just to crawl in a hole or find a beach with no cell phone service. It just kept coming, didn't it? Starting on Monday with anxieties about Boston and what was happening there. And then as the week moved on, there was ricin in letters. And then this explosion in this city in Texas. And then by the end of the week, the anxiety again about Boston. It just kept coming and coming. But you know what? We don't have to have our anxieties given to us by the national news. Many of us faced anxieties this week that did not come to us via CNN. Some of us facing anxieties and bad news about a relationship. Some of us facing anxieties about a diagnosis. Some of us facing anxieties about um, a job loss or a job interview that turned into not a job. Some of us facing anxieties about a personal loss in our own life, a loss of a loved one, or anxieties about finances or our children. They just keep coming, don't they? And if we allow ourselves, like this week, to be saturated by the anxieties and the bad news out there, it really can become overwhelming. And it is into that overwhelmingness of anxiety and bad news that our scripture this morning speaks. God speaking to us. You know, the 23rd Psalm is one that you've heard many times. You've probably got it memorized. You've probably heard it so many times, I'm wondering if it starts to lose its power with us. But there is something there that I think speaks to our week gone by and to the anxieties that are going to face us in the week to come. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And that phrase right there, that very phrase, I shall not want, that is a powerful phrase. And so I want us to spend some time unraveling that phrase and looking at that phrase and feeling what it really means in our lives to not want. Let us pray. God, give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the heart to understand what it is you are trying to teach us this very day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? You know, I feel sorry for blind Bartimaeus because his name is forever not Bartimaeus. It's always blind Bartimaeus. But it's a great story. It's found in the Gospel of Mark. And you'll remember blind Bartimaeus was sitting there. He'd been blind from birth and, and he was sitting uh, and he heard that Jesus was going to come by. And so as he heard the crowd coming and he thought this has to be Jesus, what did he do? He started yelling as loud as he could, Jesus have mercy on me. Jesus have mercy on me. And the crowd around him was like, shh, you don't want to stop drawing attention to you. And so, but he didn't stop. He goes, Jesus, have mercy on me. And then Jesus was walking along, and Jesus stopped and said, hey, come to me. 
And so his friends picked him up and said, hey, all right, you got his attention. Let's go. And so they brought him to Jesus, and they brought him in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do? What do you want? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And it may well be the question that Christ is asking us, all of us today. What do you want? See if you can find yourself in these statements. I want to be outside in the sun on the golf course. I want a better car. I want lunch. I want a house that I can afford. I want forgiveness. I want an Xbox. I want the disease to be gone. I want a different life. I want an A on the exam, but I'll take a B. I want a friend. I want a child who seems far away now to come back home. I want the bills to be paid. I want a job that allows me some creativity and freedom. I want a marriage that is fixed. I want to make a difference. You know, we all have wants. And when Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he wanted, he was getting to the very heart of the matter. What do you want this morning? Now, a want, of course, can be something deep and significant or something shallow and unnecessary. And it would be easy for us just to focus on those shallow wants, these materialistic things that the world and the marketing gurus say we should want now. And all of us in the United States and the Western world fall into this trap. And I know this because I saw everything that came out of your house and into the youth yard sale. <laughs> and my family is not immune to that. We have these things that pile up. The world says, want now. And we listen to that voice. Instead of the voice of the shepherd telling us, want not. And some might say, well, we just need to focus on our needs, not on our wants. And of course, if we're talking about these shallow materialistic things, then that makes a lot of sense. I can see that because we really don't need a donut or a fancy car or an Xbox. And while the 23rd Psalm can, of course, mean not wanting all these shallow things, I think there's something deeper going on here. A want cannot be easily dismissed. Jesus certainly did not dismiss Bartimaeus' want. He met it. He gave him sight. And so we should not dismiss our wants, especially those deep desires of our hearts, the desire for love, for acceptance, for forgiveness, for healing. These are things we want deeply, and they are not to be trivialized. You know, I found myself asking the question this week, why do we even have wants? Why can't we just be content with the way things are, good or bad, or happy or sad? Just whatever is, is. But does that sound like any human being that you know? We all have wants. 
even if we don't want to admit it. But you know, I think that we were possibly created with the ability to want. I think maybe we were created with the skill to be able to know that something is missing or is wrong in our lives. That there's something about us that recognizes a hole in our lives and we spend a lot of time searching for what will fill that hole. And of course, a lot of time we go about meeting those wants and trying to fill that internal hole with foolish and maybe even harmful things. But the desire is still there. There is something in us that desires. And ultimately, whether we know it or not, something in us that desires God. And so when we hear these words, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we are ultimately hearing God say, I know you have wants and desires, but with me, all your wants are met. With me, you won't even have any wants. With me, that hole is filled. You will lack nothing. But it's not that easy, is it? It's not that easy just to say, okay, God, with you, I shall not want, because then we come across a week like we just had. And we start to worry. And we start to let anxieties pile up. And we start to want. You know, I think Jesus knew we were going to have trouble with our wants and our worries and our anxieties. Because when he was teaching to the sermon on, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, here is the bottom line. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about how you clothe your body. Living is about more than merely eating, and the body is about more than dressing up. So do not consume yourselves with questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your Heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is a large enough task for today. You know, Jesus knew that living without want, living without worry, living without anxiety would be very hard for us. And so he teaches us that God knows our needs and that instead of seeking to fill our lives with things, instead of seeking to remove want from our lives, instead of worrying and creating anxiety wherever we can, we are instead to seek God first. Seek first the kingdom and the righteousness of God. Seek God first and all these wants, they'll be taken care of. But you know what? I have a confession to make. This week, I did not seek God first. I sought information first. So instead of seeking God, I found myself seeking a map of Chechnya. Instead of seeking God first, I found myself seeking a map of Boston and of a little tiny town in central Texas. Instead of seeking God first, listening for his voice, I started seeking out the voice of Wolf Blitzer. Right? And the worries and the anxieties kept coming. But all week as I was doing these things and not seeking God first, in the back of my mind was this phrase from the sermon I happened to be working on, 
thou shall not want. I shall not want. And you know what? When I look at all of the pictures that we saw this week, and I think about all of these anxieties, and then I hear the phrase, I shall not want, I think to myself, is that even possible? What would a life of not wanting even look like? What would a life of seeking God first look like? How can I get that kind of life? Because I'm sorry, but the terror keeps coming. And the bills keep coming. And the diagnoses keep coming. And the anxieties and the worries, they keep coming. And all I really want is to be free of want. So how does this happen? How do we seek God first? The answer, I believe, is in the very first words of this song. Why do I not want? Because the Lord is my shepherd. We are not here on our own. The Lord is our shepherd. We don't have to try and fix everything ourselves. The Lord is our shepherd. When anxieties start to bubble up, the Lord is our shepherd. When the worries start to multiply, the Lord is our shepherd. When the wants overwhelm us, the Lord is our shepherd. And if we are sheep, then what are we supposed to do? The gospel lesson that Jim read gives us an answer Hear it again. It's from John 10. And at that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. And so the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I have told you, and you don't believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify to me. But you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand and the Father and I are one. Did you catch that in there about the sheep? My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. The Lord is my shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. When we are faced with wants, when we are faced with anxiety and worry, we have to start asking, where is the voice of Christ? Am I listening to him or am I listening to something else? Am I listening to the voice of Christ or am I listening to the voice of the world? Let me see if I can give you an example of this. On Thursday of this week, I went home to eat lunch. And I was driving back to church, and all of a sudden, my mind started racing. That never happens to y'all, right? It just started racing and racing, and one thing after another after another, and it was like pile, pile, pile. And by the time I got to church, I was pretty much an anxious little puppy. But I got into my office, and I went in, and I pulled up my computer, and that was a mistake. Because there was an email there that just took all of those anxieties and crystallized them right here in my gut. I don't know about you all, but that's where my anxiety lies, just right here. And it was just like, vroom. It wasn't a bad email. It was just one that produced some anxiety in me. So I'm sitting there thinking, ugh. And like, in my gut, anxious. 
And then I had to uh, do a chapel for our three-year-olds, our three-year-old preschool program. Once a month, they come in, and I do a, a chapel with them. So I came into the sanctuary, and they were running a little late. So I sat down on the pew right over here, and I reached into my pocket because I could respond to this email, or I'll see if there's another one, or I'll at least check CNN, and I'll see what's going you know, something, because all of this stuff is going on in the world. And I reached into my pocket, and I had left my flipping phone at home. And you want to cause some anxiety in someone's life who is attached to their phone? <laughs> so now I'm sitting in the sanctuary. I can't leave because the three-year-olds are coming at some point, and I have no phone, and it's just me. And so I sit here with my own thoughts, and I'm thinking, well, I just worked on this part of the sermon where it talked about hearing the voice of Christ. So I'm going to do that. And so I started listening. Now, I wish I could tell you that I heard an audible voice of Christ, but to be honest, I think God is, understands that if that happened to me, my anxiety would just explode at that point. <laughs> so when we hear the voice of Christ, I'm not talking an audible thing, at least not for me. It was internally, and I started listening for the voice of Christ, and that, that knot right here, it just started slowly to unravel. And those worries started slowly to leave. Now, I wish I could tell you that the rest of the day I, I was like walking around in a non-anxious state. Now, but for that moment, I heard the voice of Christ. The voice of Christ will undo all of those fears, all of those anxieties. The Lord is our shepherd. We hear his voice and we shall not want. You know what happens when we start to listen and hear the voice of the shepherd? What happens when we realize we shall not want? The rest of the psalm happens. When we want not, when we hear the voice of the shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. See, we stop looking at other sheep's pastures and in the brown spots in our own and realize we've got some pretty green pastures. When we want not, he leads me beside still waters. Still waters. Calm, deep waters. Not churned up waters of anxiety and fear. When we want not, he restores my soul. Even when we've been battered and bruised by this world, even when we feel like our soul is being ripped apart, it is restored. When we want not, he leads me in the right paths. So we don't have to worry about which road to take or what path is the right one. He leads us on the right one. When we want not, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. You know, evil is all around us. Turn on the TV. It's all around us, but we do not fear. We are comforted by the shepherd. When we want not, a table is prepared before us. Our head is anointed with oil. Our cup overflows. It's abundance. In Christ, we have abundance, not want. When we want not, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Why? 
because the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. This kind of life, this want not kind of life, it's already here. It's already in you because Christ is in you. Christ is here. The voice is here. The voice is there in you. Listen for it. Seek it. Find it. And then want not. Let us pray. Oh God, our lives are filled with such worry and anxiety. And into that anxiety, into that worry, into that bad news, you speak and give us, God, the ears to hear it so that we may not want not. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Fresh as the morning and sure as the sunrise is your love, great God of light, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you for your continuing care for us. We give you thanks for the hope that you have given us in Jesus, who died but is risen to rule over all. And because he lives, we too look for eternal life, knowing that nothing past, nor present, nor future, not even death itself, can separate us from your love. We confess that while you often come to us in unexpected ways, come and go, do your work of healing and restoration, we so often fail to recognize or to acknowledge your grace-filled care. Forgive our insensitive blindness, our arrogance and ingratitude, Lord, in your great mercy, hear us now in our common prayer of confession. Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts and vain desires, that with reverend and humble hearts we may draw nigh to thee, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength, through Jesus Christ your Son. Amen. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. The scripture reminds us that if a man, if a woman, if a child is in Christ, that person is new altogether. The old is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.